Welcome to the NCO Journal Podcast, where we explore NCO professional development. This is a podcast series where we discuss published articles with authors and provide a forum for the open exchange of ideas, information, and solutions. I'm your host, Chago Zapata, the Journal's Managing Editor. With us is Sergeant First Class Osvaldo Aquite, NCOIC. Today we discuss the article, Enlisted Army Education, Legit or Just Another Euphemism, by Sergeant Major Philip Fenrick, 2nd Brigade, 1st Armored Division. Welcome back to our podcast, Sergeant Major. Please tell us a little about yourself. So, uh, like you said, uh, Sir Major Phil Fenrick, I've uh, been in the Army almost 21 years now. Um, recently, uh, just like you said, just got promoted. So, uh, obviously, very excited for that. Uh, been in a battalion officer major role uh, going on almost 10, 10 months now uh, with 1 6 Infantry here at Fort Bliss, uh, right out of the academy. So uh, definitely fortunate to, to, to have that position and to, to gain the experience and knowledge uh, that this, uh, this position has taught me and uh, definitely been a fast position uh, to, to learn from and a uh, ton of information uh, with the experiences we've had with uh, NTC, gunnery, and now deployment prep. So, so it's been a, a lot of fun uh, learning on the go. Um, other than that, uh, I'm a father of uh, three kids. I've got a son, Wesley. Uh, son Samuel and my daughter Allison, and I'm married to my wonderful wife Chandra, and uh, we just had our anniversary, so I'm going to give her a shout out. Uh, uh, nice. Happy anniversary, sweetheart. So yeah, no. Um, so that's kind of me in a nutshell. Uh, oh, congratulations on your anniversary and on Thank everything you. else. You know, you have a. It sounds like you have a, a great, a great family and a great life there. Well, let's let's jump right in here. What? Let me let me ask. Let me start out by first asking. You're, you're a pretty pro- prolific writer. We've had a lot of your articles. Uh, I can't uh, I can't say that we've we've uh, agreed to publish all of them. I think that's just part of the yeah. pro- our process. We have a lot of we have a lot of uh, a lot of articles that come into us, and we we can we have we have the kind of luxury, I guess you could say, of being able to be a little more picky. Uh, yeah, this, no, absolutely. Yeah, but this one this one kind of caught our attention. It caught my attention because of uh, your proposal. Uh, but we'll dig into that a little bit more. Uh, yeah. First of all, what, what was it that inspired you to write this? Was there something specific that, that inspired you to write this article? It was back at the academy. Uh, we had a writing project. Um, this one in particular was the uh, Ralph Haynes uh, leadership uh, paper uh, that I was tasked to write one for. So, you know, try to find something along the lines, you know, had to obviously look up who this gentleman was, so General Ralph Haynes. Um, you know, kind of uh, doing a little history back on him is, you know, was kind of the founder or is credited kind of with founding the uh, education system, you know, for, for the Army, uh, particularly the NCO uh, core. Um, so that's kind of what originally started the paper. But the topic, um, you know, kind of just came to me, you know, as I was looking at, you know, some of my, my instructors at the academy versus instructors that I've had throughout my career, and uh, obviously, you know, notice that they, there's a stark difference between them. And, and there's some obvious reasons for that. But, you know, also thinking back to you know, the difference between the officer corps, the NCO corps, the education system, um, you know, especially with the new step model. Um, and then, in, again, additionally, with what uh, NCO PDS is now trying to um, model their system, uh, starting with BLC, going through the Sergeant Major Academy in, in, in you know, the attempts to kind of mirror what the officers are doing through, you know, Bullock, uh, then to the kind of career course, and then to ILE, uh, and so on and so forth, to, to, to try to not, not only make it more professional, but, uh, but also uh, be a degree-producing uh, curriculum as well. Before, 
I, I want to dig in a little more into that. But before we do that, could you actually tell, tell us a little bit about what the actual article is about? Yeah, absolutely. So the the article itself, you know, just just that is just kind of talking and, and trying to make an argument that um, the Army needs to make some changes uh, to the NCOPDS system, which they've, you know, they've already done in the last few years. But, but you know, they're saying that we're not quite there yet. And then one of the major kind of shortfalls, in, in my opinion, uh, is that the, the instructor quality level is where I think that we are lacking uh, overall and uh, kind of just discusses why that's important. And then how do we get the right instructors in? using the, the newer talent management system, and then how do we incentivize that? And then, you know, then also the, the, the way that we would do that is essentially, and again, this is a very, you know, controversial topic is, is the, the easiest way or the fastest way, I would say, is that, you, you know, you would basically eliminate uh, the SVAB or, or, you know, drastically cut the SVAB, and that's where you would pull your NCO instructor population from and then insert them into instructor billets throughout the army, and that's that's kind of the the gist of the entire article. Yeah. So in your article, you start off with uh, kind of talking about the the history of the NCOPD um, system, and so um, part of part of what you discussed there is that the because of the growing complexity of combat operations, there was a need for a more educated NCO corps. And so right. I think um, we're kind of in that state again, right? We're, we're the the complexity of combat operations, as we're seeing in uh, Ukraine, are growing. So maybe talk a little bit about the importance of of education in a, a growing complex operation. Right. So the lessons learned from GWAT, right, have, have kind of told us and taught us a lot. You know that the sophistication of the battlefield is changing, and and with that we need to um, you know, further training and education is, is needed for, for our soldiers and for our non-commissioned officers and really our, just our leaders in general, um, but obviously specifically targeting our NCO population uh, because, you know, you know, in Iraq, in Afghanistan, you know, we were, we were running, um, you know, very decentralized operations, you know, usually down to the squad and, and platoon level, you know, therefore, you know, you had young NCOs, you know, staff sergeant and first class level having to, to make decisions that were only, uh, you know, used to be, you know, officer decisions. So that being said, you know, we, we need to compensate that not only through training, but our education system as well. Uh, but then you jump forward to to today, right, in, in you know, the, you know, the large-scale combat or LISCO with multi-domain operations uh, and the complexity of the battlefield of all the things that are out there, you know, with, uh, you know, peer-to-peer -peer threats like Russia, China, you know, Iran and uh, North Korea. This just the complexity of the battlefield is has changed drastically since World War II. Right, and so this is kind of it's going to always require the army to kind of update and change this system, right? Um, because you mentioned it as well, not just education but training, because whatever gets you know whatever gets taught at the NCO or the PME courses is kind of where the army wants to focus its core at, right? Right. Yeah, and and. Kind of what we've talked about in the past, and, and some of my articles have, have, have talked about and alluded to, right, is that, you know, for, for the longest time, the Army has separated training and education, right? They've been in two distinct areas, right? You know, the training's always been in the field, and your education's always been in the garrison back of the schoolhouse. 
Um, but you know, more recent doctrine, you know, with APD 622, 6-22, um, TP 5-25-8-2, uh, have talked about how training and education are in fact one, and that's how we should approach it, right? Every training opportunity is is you're gaining education, right? In every education you have training. So trying to tie both of those together and and make sure everyone understands it's it's one and the same um, is is really important uh, for for moving forward. Uh, specifically with our NCOPDS system. One of the things that stood out to me in your article was when you were talking about the, about promotions. You know how mm-hmm. uh, when inst- uh, instructors are usually that, – that percentage of instructors is less uh, as far as the ones who are being promoted as compared to those who, who are on the, in the operational side. Uh, I think that that's it, – it stood out to me. I, I, and I'm a Marine, and we had the same issue when I was, when I was in the Corps. Is uh, and that one of the reasons I didn't get promoted and I needed to retire was because you know I was I was in the rear, kind of in the rear with the gear, whereas my my peers were out in the out out there uh, deployed for deployed in Af- Afghanistan or Iraq. Right. So my yeah. my NCO ERs for the Marines, it's by, uh, uh, fitness reports. They were they were when they looked at them, they, they it was like even though I was I was doing well in what I was doing, it was just you know hey they were in combat, they were in the combat zone. So those, right. I mean, we don't have that right now. You know, obviously, you know, we we sh- that that whole thing has shifted. Uh, but I think that that is part of a, a kind of a became almost a cultural thing. I think for the Marines and I think yeah. for the Army as well. Yeah, that's the stigma he's talking about. Soldiers yeah. think a certain way about hey, if you're out there in the in the field, then you're better than when somebody was back here in the classroom in the rear with the gear. It's like whereas, they, without one, the other can't survive, and and they're 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 mutually supporting. So right. it should be, if anything, it should be level uh, or, you know, again, I, th- I think it's a cultural thing. You know yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, you know, it's existed for, for the last 20 years, right? You know, we, we, we've talk, already talked about GWAT, but again, a, a lot of the, the, you know, the senior leaders now grew up during that time period, right? And those are the ones sitting on these panels. Um, so that bias absolutely still exists. Right. So that mindset that people have of like, hey, man, you never leave the line uh, ever. Right. At, at all costs, you, you fight to stay that leader, you know, that team leader, that squad leader, that platoon sergeant, that first sergeant, you know, and then that, you know, the only time you depart is to go to to be, you know, the Sergeant Major Academy and then back to being, you know, Sergeant Major on the line. Um, you know, you never you never take a time to give back to the Army in some form or fashion, you know, whether that's a drill instructor Right, you know, recruiter or anything like that, or you know, now we have you have the SFAB, right? We have other opportunities to to get back out there and give back to the army, but nobody or very few people are taking advantage uh, of those opportunities to develop themselves, and then, like I said, invest back into the next generation. I think also with your article, though, it it has the the added benefit of also uh, changing perceptions, changing uh, mindsets. Uh, that culture that I, that I brought up, uh, maybe you know, at some point in the future, if maybe not now, maybe they'll start looking at it more uh, uh, on, on, as an evil level, uh, even level f- uh, playing field, rather than you know, hey, if you're in the field, you're you're more you're more likely to get promoted than, than somebody who's an instructor. So, uh, I think that's why another reason why your article is important, though. Yeah, because I think that yeah. points out to that problem, right? Oh, uh, go ahead, Sarmi. No, no, no. I was going to say, yeah, you guys are you guys are spot on, and it's. I mean, it's something that they've talked about, right? You know, at least, you know, more specifically in the infantry branch, right? Because that's, that's what I am. Um, you know, it's something that they've talked about, something I see on the, you know, the board AARs, right? That they've been trying to incentivize this, you know, you know, throughout the years. It just hasn't taken hold 
um, you know, at the board level, you know, because again, the results just aren't showing. You know, again, I know that some of this data is a little bit older, but but you know, the data is only showing like a four percent difference uh, between those that have served an instructor billet versus those that have not in the promotion rate. So so it's just not enough. And even those that are within SBAB, you know, it just shows you, hey man, those guys are getting promoted way faster. So so absolutely, it's something we've talked about. We just haven't been able to bridge that gap like you guys are talking about. Yeah, and I think maybe a measure of effectiveness when we see that change happen will be that HRC is inundated with requests to be instructors, right? Like, I, we don't have that yet. There's still – the selection process is still kind of uh, tag your it. Yeah. Which, which kind of leads no, to yeah. to your proposal, Sergeant Major. And I, I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to have to poke some holes in it because, that you know, yeah, disbanding the SVABs. They play. Yeah. A, they play a huge. I mean, I know it's a, they're fairly fairly recent, but they play a few, huge part in 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 the army's mission today. And disbanding them would be, I, I would say, would be a, a, a non. Uh, a, a, just, it just wouldn't work. You know, it, it's they, it's just so they're so vital in in in, in our in the U.S. forward posture and uh, maintaining relations and uh, presence, influence, access, security cooperation. Uh, integrated deterrence. There's so many different things that they that they do, uh, but I think that your proposal though has merit in other ways because I think m- maybe and here's my idea is that maybe changing it so that uh, recruiting instructors from the S because there's this, always a steady influx of of soldiers who are leaving the unit and you know others arriving. So those those departing soldiers who are getting stationed someplace else, those would be the ones who are primed to be recruited to be instructors. Or maybe even Could making be. it mandatory that they have to become an instructor after leaving an SBAM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it absolutely. I mean, again, it, 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 these are all possibilities, right? Again, you know, this is a way, not the way. Um, the only issue I see with becoming an instructor after doing an SBAM stint, you know, is because you've already been away from the army for three years, and then we're asking somebody to, you know, another two to three years be away from the line, so to speak. Um, you know, so yeah, the army changes, you know, believe it or not, right. Um, you know, within three to four years, you know, you, you could go back to a completely different army and not be an effective leader because you've just been gone too long. Um, so, so I think that's something just to consider, but again, no, it's a great idea because, you know, the experience that they've gained from SFAB and, and going, you know, into an instructor, I think they would have a lot to, to offer, of course. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's one of those things that I, I don't think will ever have like a perfect solution. It's not like one one answer will fix everything. They'll no. it, whatever answer you have will will have a, a ton of problems that come with it. Uh, but if you're talking about getting the best NCOs and those NCOs are with the SFAB, well, you can still get them, but it's not necessarily going to be optimal. But I think it, it uh, in the long run, if it helps them get promoted, if it helps the, their careers and it helps the army and uh, ultimately helps you know us win and. And, and do what uh, the Army does best, and I think that's probably for the best. Yeah, no, absolutely. And again, you know, you know, absolving or, or getting rid of SFAB, right, very, very controversial topic. Um, so, so yes, you know, when I, when I generated this, I knew that this wouldn't be, you know, anything popular. But, but again, it, it wasn't meant to be popular. It's meant to, to provide a feasible, you know, solution, you know, whether it's, you know, likely to, to happen or not. You, you know, obviously that's not quite the point, but it's just to show that, hey, there is an option of how we could do this. And this is just one way that I propose that, you know, where, where do we have a large population of talented uh, NCOs that have already been vetted, 
and ran through a selection process, right? And and that's the only place that had a bulk of of NCOs that kind of fit that bill, so to speak, uh, without you know continuing to pillage, uh, you know, from Forcecom. And if you think about it, if we if we go into a combat, um, if we go back to war, um, their role will change, and so I think. You know, you can you can make that case that that the, you will have an, uh, an abundant source of training uh, NCOs that can train um, and, and and educate the future force or NCOs like you like you state. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, and again, the way that the SVAB is designed, right? You know, to be modular like that. If if a large scale you know uh, conflict does kick off, right? You know, the way that they're designed to to break out. Um, you know, inform, you know, battalion and brigade level, um, you know, leadership and then influx of soldiers from basic, right? You know, it's very interesting as well. But, you know, their initial mission set, you know, came from, you know, GWAT, Iraq and Afghanistan, more particularly for Afghanistan, right? Um, but with, with that conflict pretty much over, uh, you know, the SFAB's mission set, right, kind of evolved, right into what the asymmetric warfare group was doing before they shut right. down. Mm-hmm. Right. So they even, even SFAB and, you know, has, has, has had to evolve, right. To stay relevant in what they're doing. Right. But then you got to think about, you know, what we talk about is, you know, the special forces, right. You know, with, with Iraq and Afghanistan and, you know, Syria, all that stuff kind of winding down, they're starting to go back to the things that they used to do, um, you know, which kind of, you know, goes back into what SFAB is saying that they're doing. So, so again, kind of a, kind of an interesting period we're in right now for the, for the next couple of years, you know, with, with moving from GWAT and trying to shift and move into, you know, the focus being LISCO and MDO, um, you know, everybody's trying to kind of, you know, redefine uh, their roles post GWAT um, and making, you know, just to try to see if it still makes sense uh, to, to be doing what we're doing. Yeah, so I think your article calls for um, – well, it's recognizing that the the PMESIS NCOPDS um, is constantly evolving. It should constantly evolve to meet our, our strategic needs. Um, and then one of the, ident- the things that you identified in your article was that we need better instructors and that there is a stigma for that. And you proposed a solution, but I, there's, other, there's other ways to get instructors, and maybe we can talk a little bit about that um, – what are, what are some of the other ways do you think we can uh, incentivize NCOs to go be become instructors? Yeah, this is something that uh, you know try to think about. You know, you know, because again, incentivizing career promotion rate obviously that's that's one thing that we've talked about and it's in the article. But but we have to make it a reality. You know, it has to be a stark difference, right? Like, hey, you know, if you're instructor, right, you you know, you're eighty percent more likely to get promoted than than everybody else. Um, I you know, you look at the SFAB, right? They're they're offering more money uh, to to be a part of SFAB. So so I definitely think you know a monetary compensation is something that is warranted. And again, I know anytime we talk money, that that introduces a whole another set of problems right. for the army to figure out. But but again, I, I think that's important, right? Because if you're asking someone to give up three years of their career and their life, you know, you've you've got to it has to come with some perks, other than that. Hey, I love the army and I want to give back, right? Uh, that sense of duty only goes so far for some people. Um, and then another thing I was thinking about too is right is is the location of some of our schools aren't necessarily in the most you know how do I say this, you know, luxurious or, or most fun places to go, 
Um, you know, you can take the Sarmiento Academy, for example, right? You know, Fort Bliss, El Paso, isn't everybody's dream spot to, to go be stationed and, and to live, right? You know, or if you go over to, to Fort Huachuca, you know, that's not necessarily everybody's top number one list to, to go do school. So, so maybe looking at, you know, picking some other installations to, to run, you know, our NCOPDS program out of. Uh, but again, you know, we're talking about infrastructure. We're talking about money again. So, so it makes it hard um, to, to, you know, change locations for instructors to want to go and live at, you know. Yeah, that's a tough one. You know, I'm just I'm sitting here thinking, well, first of all, how many instructors are we talking about? And then if you're talking about uh, thousands and thousands, you know, because there's there's well, a lot of different types of 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 of, of uh, well, NCO. Right. Yeah. If we, if we look yeah. at BLC, you know, there's almost a BLC in every installation kind yeah. of thing. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about pretty pretty large numbers and pretty large. It would have to be a big incentive and maybe there would be – it would li- be limited or it would depend on what kind of uh, – it is. Uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of a tough one to yeah. really dissect because there's a lot involved. Yeah, and that's, and that's why I said, like, you know, anytime we're talking about changing infrastructure and adding money, I mean, it really just adds to, to the problem and, and the, the likelihood that it would happen. So, therefore, I, I think we, we, you know, we kind of have to go back to the things that, you know, we've talked about, but just I don't think we've ever really delivered on, right, is it's got to be like, hey, it's got to be part of your, you know, your career field, right, your career map. Of like, hey man, you know, when you're done being a squad leader or section leader, your next move before you're allowed to be a platoon sergeant is an instructor, you know. And then we we've just got to make it a part of that of like, hey, you've got to meet the gates, um, you know, to fit these billets, uh, these key billets, right, in order to progress in your career. And if you're not, your chances of promotion are, are less. Um, and again, I understand that that creates problems as well, you know, because not everyone can be an instructor, just like not everyone or every MOS can be, you know, be or has first sergeants. So I, I get, get that, but but I think that there's a better way for us to kind of align and manage that talent and and get those folks into those positions, right? Incentivize it, you know, through promotion rates, through pay, um, that that it will become worthwhile, right? And again, like we we've got to talk about it, right? You know, we've got to. Uh, recognize those individuals for for the good work that they're doing, and it just has to be something that that senior leaders are talking about, um, and 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 you know, so it's got to be um, kind of become the cool thing to do or to be. Yeah. Um, it, otherwise, it's going to continue to have that stigma and that bias associated with it. You know, of like, oh, I don't want to go be an instructor, or oh man, I don't want to go do drill, or you know, that'll that'll kill my career and this and that. So so until we kind of shift you know, kind of our, our culture or our mindset that we talked about, you know, there's always going to be that stigma kind of attached to it. I personally, I think that it's more of a, um, I don't think that the, the, let's, let's look at this realistically, you know, the monetary aspect of it. I don't think that's realistic. I don't think they're going to, they're going to put a lot of that kind of money, the money that it would take to do that, to incentivize it. I think ultimately what it comes down to is promotion, knowing that, that if you go, if you're going to be, if you go to be an instructor somewhere, that it's going to help you get promoted. Uh, that I think is going to be the incentive that I think will get most soldiers to 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 make that decision to to take that path in their journey in their career. Uh, yeah. Whereas if they if if you if you try to throw money at it, it, it may or may not stick. Uh, but more than likely, there's not going to be any money to throw at it at all. Right. Uh, because yeah. you know we're today's army is just not we're we're just not it's just not that way. Well, yeah. 
if if you take a look at what's another program that's out there that has uh, increased pay and it gives you promotion. Um, if you look at Joe Joe Sarns recruiters too, yeah, right. Like um, everybody knows, if you go become a Joe Sarns, you know your chances of promotion are, are higher, and they do get paid. But still, we don't have people knocking on down walls to, to become drill instructors. So I think absolutely um, not. I think it's it's beyond that. I think it has to be. Yeah, how do we get after the stigma? But there's if the army really wants this to make this uh, the NCOPDS system. Even better than what it is right now, it's going to have to throw some money at it. I think. Yeah, no, it it does. You're right because it, it's it's money, you know. And again, it's prestige, right? It's it's got to be something that you know people want to be a part of, right? And you know, just like SBAB, right? You know, people want to be a part of SBAB. You know, like they they have got something, right? The it factor um, that that's drawing people to them, right? And their mission set. Um, to where like, yes, they, they recruit, right. But, but again, um, they're, they're able to, to, to make their mark, right. Have a selection process and filter through and pick who they want. Right. So, so we've, we've got to find a way that, that we do the same thing, you know, on the NCOPDS side, but, but it also, like you said, it's, it's gotta be money. It's gotta be promotion. Right. And it's gotta have the, the allure and the prestige to it. Um, you know, that, that if you're not a part of this club, you know, like you're you're not gonna make it, you know, to the to the next level, uh, you know, in in the army, right? And and that's and that's gonna be hard to do, right? That's that's easy for us to talk about and to say, um, you know, a lot of people will will not like that, and it's not very popular. Uh, but you know, if that's if the army's serious about it, right? They've they've got to make some 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 drastic changes uh, to where people. Are, are either, you know, going to buy into this program or they're going to be forced into it, um, you know. And, again, obviously nobody wants to, to drag anybody kicking and screaming, you know. I, I hope somebody in the audience or you know, members of the audience, who people who are listening to us or who read your article will, will pipe in on this. I think it's important that people talk about this, you know. What, what, are, what are some solutions out there? What are other solutions, maybe things that we aren't, we aren't seeing or things that, that would be uh, uh, just alternatives? You know, I think this is uh, this is a great discussion, and and who knows, maybe somebody who actually can enact change will hear and will read your article and hear what we're we're saying here, and maybe do something to to kind of steer things in the right direction. Because, uh, but I, I still go back to the same thing that ultimately I think it's a cultural thing. You know, if you we change the culture, if we're able to 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 change people's mindsets even a little bit here and there. Uh, I think yeah. that that's going to be the, the thing that's going to that's going to be the catalyst that that'll that'll make the changes happen. So, uh, right. well, let's we'll keep our fingers crossed that somebody out there is listening and will actually move forward to do something about it. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's what it's all about. It's just it's about generating discussion, right? And 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 you know, having those conversations with with one another, our peers, or you know, spirits and supporters, right? And and trying to to kind of see, you know. If, if there can be a shift in that culture. Um, but again, yeah, it just starts with the discussion and uh, it kind of goes from there. But uh, yeah, I mean, this is definitely a larger, um, you know, army problem, you know, for, for some senior leaders to, to kind of to, to think about. And again, I'm sure they have, right? I mean, this isn't like anything new, um, you know, so I'm sure that there's some thought that's been put behind it. But again, you know, I think when you, when you start talking money, right, in order to get something else, right, something else has got to go away. And that's that's always the hard part. Where where are you going to cut from, uh, from from where we're at right now? We're already in a fiscally constrained environment. 
so so you know where who who's on the chopping block next you know you know is if it's not the SFAB right then then what other units or unit is out there that that we can draw some funding from and really personnel from I like, I like the way the article ends you know what will your legacy be because it's putting the onus back on DNCOs it's like look you know if you want to enact change you think that there's you know that the quality of soldier could be better do something go, about it do something about it and, yeah. and go be an instructor because i mean you're right the legacy won't happen until down the road this is no, from Sarnikita, that's, who, said, who, was, who just came from the school by the way Sarnikita came from school to come here <laughs> as an instructor yeah. so uh yeah yeah no i mean that's and that's that's right right you know it's it, you know, it sounds a little cheesy a little corny but but it really is right you know i mean we, we we we're talking about it right now and a lot of other people will, you know, hear this podcast or read the article maybe, right, and just, you know, oh, this is garbage, you know, they don't know what they're talking about, you know, may, maybe so, right? But but at the end of the day, you know, who is willing to do something about it, right? Um, you know, are they willing to step up being an instructor? Are they willing to encourage and, and develop and mentor others to be an instructor? You know, that that's really what it comes down to, right? You know, I think, think you know, like someday, you know, when my kids are older and they want to join the Army, right, some of these younger soldiers that that, that you know, that I serve with, you know, we'll be potentially in charge of them, right? And I always think about like, hey, you know, I want to invest in these guys because someday, you know, they're going to invest potentially in my kids or somebody else's kids. And, you know, I think I think that's really important to kind of have that thought process, right? You know, and, that, and really that's kind of what we're here to do, you know, is to, to, to train and educate, you know, those that we work with and those that, that are under us, right, to eventually take our position so we can – either move up or move on and out to, to something else so so these guys can come take our place, right? That That's what it's all about. Well, I, I don't think – I didn't think that the way you ended your article was corny at all. I thought that was a, 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 a legitimate uh, call to action to NCOs challenging them. And I think that's what NCOs respond to. You know, they, they, they step up when there's a challenge. So I thought it was uh, well done. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, the, the NCO Corps has always, you know, stepped up, and they and they will continue to do so. Um, they just, they, like I said, yeah, I think you're right. You know, they just need to be challenged, right? And and as as senior leaders, right, and and leaders in general, right, like we have to not only challenge ourselves, but we have to challenge those we work with. Otherwise, like we're okay with the status quo. You know, we're okay with the NCOP system just being, you know, hey, we show up, you know, we fill in our name and. Hey, we, we're good to go. We're going to pass and everything's great. Like, I don't, I don't have to worry about learning something. I don't have to worry about being better. This is just a check the block for me to make sergeant or staff sergeant or sergeant first class or, you know, now sergeant major, right? It, it should be more than a check the block, right? We should be doing something with our soldiers uh, during those, those, those periods that we have them, right? To, to, to make them better individuals and better leaders. And if, and if we're not trying to do that, um, you know, and again, it's, it's not just the instruction itself. It's the, the people that are providing that instruction that really make the difference. You know, it's not just the curriculum, right? It's the person delivering it that I think really has, you know, the, the greatest power impact, you know, for, for these individuals, right? Um, so I think that's, again, something that, that needs to be addressed, right? Something that hopefully uh, we'll, we'll continue to, to look at and focus on. Thank you for joining us, and thank you to our audience. Remember to put your knowledge to the page, submit articles, and get published with the NCO Journal. Don't forget to check out our webpage and follow us on social media. We'll catch you next time on the NCO Journal Podcast.